Hello everyone, this is Tara with God Talk with Tara. I'm glad you're here tonight. We're going to begin as always with prayer. Um, and then we're going to see where God takes the evening. Father, I thank you for your presence, for your peace, for your grace, for your love, for your promise. I thank you, Lord, that when, when we seek you, we find you. And that you promise that you are with us in all things. Father, I am blessed to have been given the opportunity to pray to you today for so much of the day. To be in the presence of your spirit and to be in the presence of your people. Lord, I pray tonight that you would make me small and that you would magnify yourself. I pray, Lord, that you would remove anything that is my words and instead that you would give me yours, Lord. Mm. In the words of the song I was singing earlier, Father, uh, mm, now I don't remember the words, but you do. Cleanse these lips. Cleanse these lips of all unrighteousness, Father. Cleanse my heart of all anger and unforgiveness. Mm. Create in me a clean heart, Father, so that your words can come through purely. I thank you, Father, for all that you do and all that you are. We are said in Jesus' name tonight. <laughs> so it's been an interesting day. Um, here in Virginia, we have what is called a special called conference um, regarding disaffiliation. For those of you who are unaware of the things that have been going on within the Methodist um, Church, within the United Methodist Church, there is a, a slow motion schism going on that has been building probably since the time of the church's um, beginning back in the 60s when the United brethren and the uh, Methodist Church joined together and created the United Methodist Church. There were doctrinal differences. There were pluralism that was adopted. There was a, there were fundamental foundational problems within the original agreement to come together that led very quickly to many things, but the core one being a loss of scriptural authority among the people leading the church. Um, the universities began to teach that the word was not the inerrant word of God, um, that scripture was not authoritative, that it was one among many things that we view life through. And as a result, um, doctrine is all over the map within the United Methodist Church. And in particular, it has been very, very sculpted and influenced by cultural forces. The presenting issue currently is homosexuality as it has been within many denominations. Um, this is one in a long line of denominations that have fallen apart as a result of that being the presenting issue, but that's not actually the problem. 
The problem is that as a denomination, many of those in leadership in the denomination do not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was the son of God. They do not believe that the word of God is authoritative for our lives and, um, and for do doctrine and for salvation. And they do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And as such, there is a press towards universalism. There's a press towards, um, conforming Christian belief and doctrine well, it's not really Christian belief and doctrine, but conforming church doctrine and belief to the latest fads of the world. And homosexuality and transgender issues are very good issues for getting leverage in the church because they touch on the word love in a way that resonates with people who don't really read their Bibles very much. Um, that's really all I'm going to say about that, other than I would ask you please to keep us in prayer. The church that I will be joining as a member here in the very new, near future, and that we've been attending since we moved um, last summer, is in the process of disaffiliating. They have had their votes and done all of the things that they can do. And the special called conference is the last thing that needs to be done. Um, and the conference has to vote to allow these churches to leave. We are one among many, and we are praying that the Lord will make sure that that door stays open and allows us to move on into the new thing he has called us to, into new life and new ministry and grace and carrying his message out into the world. Now, I find God very interesting and funny and encouraging, and um, he's a really good planner. He, he's, he plans things out very far in advance. Um, and one of the things that he knew was that we would need a prayer meeting prior to the vote and coming into the vote. Uh, and it helps when you come into a prayer meeting to, well, especially when you're praying kind of separately or a couple at a time, it helps that you've been amongst people who have been praying and seen the hand of God move. So the Lord sent me to Kentucky earlier this week. He affirmed that he has been speaking to me and through me, and he affirmed that I am on the right path. And then he sent me home to carry the light of what he's doing in Kentucky home here to Virginia, where I would be able to share that with my home church and, and speak his grace and carry his message of love and encouragement and exhortation to hold fast and to move forward and that he is doing a new thing. He poured out his spirit here in this place and at this time at a moment that is critical to the life of the Methodist movement in the United States, but also just to, to Christianity in general. If you look at all of the trends, the trends are that there is a rise of the nuns and there is a rise in nominal Christianity and there is a 
rise in biblical illiteracy where people don't really know what they believe and they are very easily swayed by things in the world. And so you have this moment in time where the church is struggling, where the nation is polarized, where we are crying out for the people of God, a, a very strong core of them, more and more of them over the last year and a half to two years have been crying out for the Lord and they have been preparing for what it looks like if the Lord delivers them. They have been preparing to move into a new time and a new phase and a new thing. They have been doing what the Lord has called them to do one little step at a time, waiting, waiting for him to kick wide the gates. And as we're coming into one of those moments where the gates are about to fall and we need that prayer, where other gates may soon be shut. Um, the Lord kicked open the gates of heaven and poured himself out on his people. And so that's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. But there is something that happens when the Lord pours out. I don't know if you recognize this or not, but we are in the midst of a battle as Christians. Scripture talks about this and we frequently, especially in the West, ignore it. Um, but scripture talks about the fact that we are waging war against hell. That, well, I should say Jesus is waging war against hell. And the devil wants to take us down because it hurts God. It is, he knows he's dying, he knows he's dead, he knows he's beaten, but he is not yet confined. And so you have a powerful force in the world today that opposes God. And he is prowling around seeking those whom he can devour and destroy. And he prowls around God's people. It's not just... <coughs> <clears throat> those who are out in the dark. In fact, he rarely bothers those who are already far from God because, quite honestly, he already has them. And so the devil wages war against God's people, and he has been since the beginning. He began in the garden with Adam and Eve. He began with a whisper to place doubt in their hearts and to place distance between them and God. And he has been waging battle against God ever since. And he is not alone in that battle. We know because scripture talks about demons. In Luke 9, Jesus sent the disciples out to cast out demons. That was one of the things he said they would do. In Mark 16, who some people say is not original, and I have no idea, but I do know that it's in most Bibles. And in there, in that passage where it is Mark's rendition of um, essentially the Great Commission, it says that disciples will cast out demons as a sign that they belong to God. And so the reality, and, and it talks in innumerable places about Jesus Christ casting out demons. 
So Bible takes seriously the reality of demons. In none of these instances do you get the sense that demonic forces are allegorical, that they're not actual real things. They are spoken of in the context of real historical events, the same as Jesus ate with his disciples type events. It isn't something that is a vision or a dream or it's prophetic literature or it's poetic. There's none of that. The demons are spoken of in the course of narrative events in scripture as real tangible things. Now, there are those today who will tell you that there are no such thing as demons and that they um, were simply misunderstood psychological disorders or some other various things. But those are the same people that generally don't believe scripture is true and don't believe in miracles. And if you do not believe in miracles and you do not believe that Christ was raised from the dead and resurrected, which is the miracle that is required as, as core to being a Christian, then I'm probably not talking to you tonight because you aren't a Christian at that point. If you reject the existence of miracles, then you aren't a Christian. And if you accept the existence of miracles, one of the things you need to accept as a result of that is the fact that there are demons in the world. Just as there is a God and just as there are angels and just as there is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, uh, there is a battle going on in the world. And so what happens when the Lord moves strongly in that battle? When God pours out his spirit in a specific time, in a specific place, on a specific people to equip them for the work of growing the kingdom of God here on earth in a specific place, what happens is the devil gets angry. And he redoubles his forces to try to undermine the work of heaven because that is what God or that is what the devil does. He, he hates the Lord. And so he seeks to undermine his work. So it should have come as no surprise to me that when I spent all day today in prayer, sometimes with other people, sometimes on my own, when I spent all day today singing praises to God and speaking scripture to him and praying specifically to him and praying specifically over the situation going on tomorrow because there is no doubt that within the struggle going on within the UMC there is a greater spiritual battle going on. Anytime you see battling within the church there's always a greater spiritual battle going on. There's always a battle between demonic forces and God. If there weren't, then there would be no division because we would all be following God in the unity of the spirit. And we're not because there's division. And even if there is no conscious, so don't hear me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying, you know, the people on the other side of this are demons. And I'm not sitting here saying the people on our side are demons or, or God or any of that. Um, for the most part, we're all human beings who are prone to error and prone to sin and prone to falling and failing. But behind those kinds of massive 
divisions and massive movements where the people of God have drawn lines and drawn camps and are doing battle with one another. And this is definitely doing battle with one another um, because you've had people in courts, you've had um, less than above board dealings in some places. And it's just been, it's been contentious. Um, when you see that kind of division in the body of Christ, you know that there is a greater battle going on. You know that it is not just between men at that point in time. It is between God and the devil. And so as I prayed today over all of the things going on, and as I prayed today for the conference tomorrow and for the hand of God to fall on that conference and for him to guide it and be present. Um, it should have come as no surprise when not too long later, the forces of the devil popped up in my path. As I was leaving tonight and I called Corey to come and get me, he was late and I was leaving because there was going to be a church service that had been double booked in the space and unanticipated, which I'm so delighted about that. It was the first service that um, a Hispanic congregation here is sharing our space there. And that is a beautiful thing. It is always a beautiful thing when people come together to worship the Lord. Um, but I was leaving early, which meant that I had called Corey to come get me ahead of schedule. And as he was leaving, he ran across a young woman with her luggage on the side of the road crying. And he stopped to pick her up because that is how we are. Um, and he took her to a nearby gas station and waited. And then he finally came to get me. And I was grateful because I, when he messaged me about what was going on, I began to have qualms and I began to pray for his safety. I began to pray the Lord's protection on him. I began to, and that's not normal for me. I don't usually have an inclination to pray for his protection randomly other than our normal, you know, we pray for that every day, me and Emma do, but um, something was niggling in the back of my brain that there might be something not right in the situation and that he might have encountered something that sought to do him harm. So I was praying for him before I ever got to the car and I began walking in the direction of where he would be coming from since I wanted to move away from where I was so that I wouldn't be in the way when the church folks got there. Um, and I got in the car and I was like, where's your friend? And he's like, I left her at the gas station and we were going back that direction anyway. And I was, he's like, she said her friend was coming to pick her up and I don't know. And a police officer had apparently approached them as she was on the phone to check it with her to make sure she was okay. And Corey got the sense that she knew the cop and the cop knew her and that there was a, a known entity situation with her. Um, and we've run into that before with um, helping someone a long time ago in a very far away place. 
And so we went and we're driving back by and she was still there at the gas station. So we stopped to pick her up and we uh, offered to take her to get something to eat and ended up taking her to go get a hotel room. And as I was listening to her in the car, there was a sense, first of all, of mm, less than truthfulness about much of what she had to say. Um, but there was a different sense too in the, in the listening and in the driving and in the talking, there was something underneath. And as we were driving along, the young woman was in the back seat and mumbling. And I asked if she was okay. And she said, yes, it's just the voices in my head. And when I asked about those voices, she told me what they said to her. She told me when they started. Um, and she identified them as demons and she was not wrong. Now, I don't go hunting for demons and everything. I know that there's a lot of that where we get very wrapped up in spiritual warfare and we see it everywhere around us. Um, and I don't think that was this tonight. It was more the fact that being completely open to the spirit moving tends to make you more aware of the other things going on around you. More importantly, though, being completely open to the spirit and being filled with the light of God will draw those trapped in darkness. And they will draw the darkness, too. As I was wondering what to talk about tonight, because this was not, <laughs> this topic was not on my radar. Um, it's not something I talk about a lot, quite frankly. Um, not because it makes me feel crazy, but it does oftentimes make a lot of other people a little squirmy. So that wouldn't be my, my first choice of topics to have on, um, on a random Friday night. But as I was thinking about what to speak about tonight, that was the thing that came to mind. Um, and what God brought to mind was the, the story of the demoniac, the garrison demoniac, where it says they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the garrisons. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now I'm going to stop there, because um, most of us know the rest. He sends them into the herd of the pigs, and the herd of pigs goes running down the hillside and drowns itself. Um
when we walk as the light in the world, when we draw closer to God, the darkness in those around us will react to that light. When we walk strongly after God, when we speak clearly the name of Christ, when we pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when we pray the kingdom come, which we have been praying and I will keep praying, the kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That means we are directly asking for confrontation with the kingdom of hell and the kingdom of the world. And in so doing, we will be faced with moments when we stumble upon those who are bound just as Jesus frequently ran across those who are bound. And I have to ask the Lord's forgiveness tonight because the reality is the young woman is still bound. I do pray that the voices, well, actually I know that the voices will be quiet tonight because I believe Jesus's name has that power. But I also came to understand something tonight, too. For the most part, until a person is ready to be released from their demons, they won't let them go. You can cast them out with the name of Jesus Christ, but they will seek them out again. That's the other parable that, that came to mind, and I didn't look it up, um, where Jesus says that, you can cast out the demon and put the mind in order and sweep it out. And it's like you straightened up a house. And when it comes back after going through the waterless places and realize the house has been straightened up and cleaned and is still empty, he'll bring back seven of his brothers and you will wind up worse than you were to begin with. When a person is not ready to receive Jesus Christ, when they are unwilling to hear him, they oftentimes are not willing to have their demons cast out, no matter what they say. I think as the world begins to see an awakening of God, we will also begin to see more and more of the people around us who have been misunderstood as simply mentally ill or messed up or drunk or addicted or whatever. I think we will see more and more of them for what they are. They are people who are tormented by demons, harassed by demons, possibly some possessed by demons. The reality is, is there is a lot of wickedness in the world around us. And that wickedness is not all man-made. And I think that we as Christians in America really need to wrap our brain around that, not in a sensational fashion of always looking for, you know, demon hunting and we're going to go play supernatural with people and, and stake vampires and whatnot. It's, it is not that kind of thing. 
it is the moments where you are in the midst of something and you run up against wickedness that needs to be cast out. You run up against wickedness that needs to be bound and made to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't think we are prepared for that. I have taken ministry and uh, prayer and healing classes. I have talked to those who deal with demonic possession. I have prayed with those who deal with demonic possession. And I still have a very difficult time talking about it, as do most of the people I know, because... On the one hand, they don't want to be sensational. On the other hand, they don't want to sound crazy. Um, and they're not quite sure what to do. And we as Christians need to figure that out because we're going to start facing this more and more. We live in a place right now where Christianity and the church has abdicated so much of its responsibility for teaching others and for witnessing to Christ in the world that we have allowed the kingdom of darkness to become ascendant in our nation. We can see this in things like the Grammy show that everyone was so angry about. And you have to look at it and wonder why everyone was so angry. What would you expect? As I sometimes tell people, pagans will be pagans. What do you expect them to do? It is not as though they hide. And it is not as though they are necessarily Satan worshipers. The problem is, is if you do not belong to God, you do belong to Satan. And as more and more people are allowed I shouldn't say that because it's not allowed in the sense we usually use. But as more and more people are not told of God, are not taught of God, are not expected to come to know God, as more and more people are left in their darkness, in the destruction of their minds through sex and through drugs and through alcohol and through addiction and through emotivism and existentialism and postmodernism, as more and more people are allowed to try to escape into the fantasy land they want to create in the world around them, what happens is more and more wickedness spreads because it's been given the room. So we need to be prepared and stop being squirmy about being faced with demons. We need to be honest about what that looks like and what we're called to do in those situations. We need to look at what does the scripture say, because here's the thing. In Luke 9, Jesus sends his disciples out. This is after he meets the man, the, the demoniac. This is after, in fact, it's right after he meets the demoniac. He calls the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. You and I have been sent out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. We have been given authority over all demons and cure, to cure diseases. And we are supposed to be doing that in the world around us. 
it is critical that we understand how to do that. Now, that's not that there's some magical incantation. I don't think we need a cross in holy water. And the Latin formulas to perform exorcisms, Jesus did not do all sorts of weird ceremonies. He prayed and cast out the demons. He prayed and told them to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. The disciples prayed and told the demons to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. They came against them. They addressed them and they told them to go in the name of Jesus Christ. And that is how we need to learn how to do this. We need to learn to walk full of the spirit. And when we sense something that is not right, something that is outside of human impetus, that has come against God and against the poor souls who are trapped by these demons. We need to learn to speak to them in the name of Jesus and cast them out. There's no other way that the kingdom of God triumphs. Well, there will be a way when Jesus comes. But in the meantime, he's put us here on behalf of those who are lost and suffering, on behalf of those who are trapped and oppressed, to preach good news. To preach the good news that Jesus Christ has come to set them free. And when Jesus talks about setting them free, demons are one of the biggest things that's keeping them oppressed. In scripture, that's one of the most frequent things that they need freedom from. I hope that in the days ahead, we will learn to be confident and bold and wise and discerning in dealing with those we meet, that God's discernment will be on us so we can know what and who we're dealing with and that we can name it with boldness and accuracy and strength enough to set people free from demons and to cure diseases, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. I pray you all have a blessed and beautiful night tonight. Father God, give us strength and give us courage. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear in the world around us what is present and how you would have us deal with it. Lord God, give us a healthy respect for your enemy, but do not let us walk in either arrogance or in fear of the enemy. Help us to know who we are, more importantly, whose we are, and help us to recognize and understand, Lord, that the battle belongs to you. Lord God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment. I pray that you would give us grace and mercy. I pray that our hearts would break for all those who are held in the bondage of demonic harassment and possession. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to identify and to heal all of those who are trapped that come to us, that we come to. God, give us grace and wisdom. Help us to know what we're supposed to do. We're out of practice, Father. And it's been a long time, Lord God, since your people and your church, particularly in the West, have taken this aspect of your kingdom and your ministry seriously. I pray that you would help us because it's going to become a thing here as, as these days unfold. 
We thank you, Father. We ask in Jesus' name and in confidence of your answer. Amen.